1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Bron- 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 Broncos, go- Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, it's Monday. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, here's a question. How are you doing? I'm here. Um, oh!
0: <laughs> I'm, uh, I am uh, back in Denver. I just landed. Um, but, uh, you know, Nick, it's just this team, man. This team is uh, something else right now. Uh, fall to the Ravens 10 to nine. Um, we're leading most of the game, nine to three, I believe it was about four minutes left. Uh, Ravens go down the field, uh, score a touchdown to win the game with, with uh, I think 31 seconds left maybe um, and the Broncos lose their fourth straight, Nick. Uh, it just it felt like we could see this one coming from a million miles away. I don't know if you felt that way, but I know I was sitting there watching it, and I go, they keep letting them hang around. They're letting them hang around, and, and the offense couldn't score to put them away. Uh, even just a field goal. A field goal wins that game, right? Um, yeah. And uh, they end up coming up short. What was maybe your reaction, and, and were, did you feel kind of the same way in the sense that you kind of saw it
1: coming? Yeah, I did. Uh, but let me, let me start from the very beginning. From the outset of the game, I thought – execution was great. That open and drive. Yeah. I was very optimistic. They, they did a lot of things uh, that we hadn't seen in uh, weeks previous. And that, that means a lot of under center plays with Russell. And I know that was kind of the issue at the beginning of the year that we didn't see Russell on the center a lot and they ran the ball. And, And, and I was like, wait a minute, what kind of philosophy is this? Knowing as though the Ravens ranked second in the league, as far as giving them 82 yards against the rush, but I understood what they were trying to do, establish some form of identity. And I said to myself, okay, George, here it comes. At some point, we're going to get a bunch of play action because Russell's been under center. We didn't really get a lot of that. And you're absolutely right. As the game went on, there were missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And I was like, wait a minute, no Lamar Jackson. And they're allowing the Ravens to just hang around and hang around. I said, man, this is going to be a bad day if the Ravens are able to move the ball down the field and score a touchdown because you had to figure that was what Coach Harbaugh was preaching to his team at halftime. We don't have Lamar, but we do have Lamar 2.0, and all we have to do is get put somewhat of a drive together and then score a touchdown and we win this ballgame because we know the Broncos have shown the tendency to struggle offensively.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's a couple key moments in the game, Nick, that I think are important to point out. The drive right before the half, uh, I believe they got it down somewhere around the 30, and they have a fourth in less than one yard uh, with about, I think, less than a minute left before half, and they opt to kick a field goal. And I get it. Take the points, right? You go up at half. But that's one moment where you're saying it might have been their best drive of the game. It's the closest they got to the end zone all game. Uh, and they opt to kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and short. If you get a touchdown there, the game might be over, right? Or at least it's a different outcome. Then you look in the second half, right? Justin Simmons gets an interception, gets it to the 40-yard line of the Ravens. Broncos take over in plus territory. You're thinking, okay, they're up 6-3. to They put in the end zone here. This game's over. Three straight plays. Kick a field goal, they go up 9-3. to three. So you're like, okay, well, at least they got points, right? 9-3. to three. Then after that, Nick, they have three more possessions in the game, or I think four more possessions in the game. Simmons gets another interception on the next drive in the end zone. Broncos get one first down, punt. Then defense gets another stop, three and out, punt. Then the defense gets another stop, punt. And, and then the Ravens get their drive where they go 91 yards, there's still time on the clock. They get down to whatever it was, kick a 63-yarder, well short, not even close. And it's just like those opportunities, Nick, only come so much, right? And, and we're, look, that's, that's five opportunities that I just listed off, and they're not able to get any points on any of that. And that's why I want to ask you, Nick, because we've seen the offense, right, uh, do this in, in several games. I believe this is the third game this year they did not score a touchdown in the fifth game that they scored 10 or less points. So we know they're not going to score, but I, I put this blame still on the offense for not being able to score. While I know some people are out there saying, well, the defense in the most critical situation wasn't able to get the stop that they needed to. And I know some defensive players even said that, but I'm, I'm looking at this big picture and I'm thinking, man, the, the offense, all they got to do is score, you know, one more point. Right. I mean, that's the way I look at it.
1: No, you're absolutely right, and two things can be true at the same time. So let's start with the first one. The offense continues to, to struggle, and everything that you pointed out is absolutely true. When I look at the, the inability to execute, uh, I look at the, the third-down situations, and this these were not the typical third-down situations that we're used to seeing, the third-and-long situation. We're talking about third-and-three, third-and-five, third-and-one, and you were just talking about the fourth-and-one situation where where a little of me inside was hoping that they went forward on the fourth and one play and I was just kind of coming up with these concepts of how to do it we've seen other NFL teams do it we've seen college teams do it where the quarterback gets on the center you bring a tight end there's a running back you get the whole push in the back you get the first down I was hoping that they did that but I understood what coach Hackett was thinking hey our defense is playing well Why chase points at this particular time? Let's take points before the half. I I totally get it. But it still goes back to the offense and the inability to execute. And you know, usually when we talk about this Broncos offense, we talk about the play calling, right? The play calling still needs to pick up. But uh, there's a reason I feel as though now the, 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 the play calling has become a little stagnant, George. And here's what I mean by that. When you look at the lack of explosive guys outside the numbers that you have to work with, it makes it a little difficult for you as a play caller to call up or create certain schemes. Now I'm not trying to make an excuse. I'm just tossing something out there that that's kind of obvious, but still at the same time, whoever's out there, you still have to decide to that you're going to execute and make plays. But at the end of the day, it comes down to execution. And I think coach Hackett actually talked about it and his post game presser when he was talking about, we need to execute a lot better. And that seems to be a problem for the Broncos offense.
0: Yeah. um, They, they, they just don't execute very well. Like you said, two of 12 on third down, Nick, that's execution. And it even felt like most of the day they, they were ahead of the chains, right? Like typically when we talked about them on third down, it's third and long in those situations. And they had a couple of those, but a lot of them were third and short uh, and they were able to run the ball consistently actually yesterday at times. So, Again, it's just one of those things. Nick, I wanted to read you this stat uh, that is just – and I I want your genuine reaction to this because it is quite – it's quite historical and quite bad for the Broncos. But let me read this to you and get your reaction. Before Sunday, Nick, NFL teams were 0-206. 0-206 since 1995 when committing two turnovers, forcing none and failing to exceed 10 points according to pro football reference, the Ravens made it one two and two Oh six by beating the Broncos.
1: Can you believe that? Oh, Mm. two and six. Well, once again, again, George, it's, it's crazy. The stat line that comes out of, you know, the, the, this game, but more importantly, every game that the Broncos uh, play, it always seems to be a new stat line. That's kind of making NFL history. and, when you win a turnover battle, usually you figure that you're going to win on the road against a quality team that has a great defense in their own. But if you're able to get two turnovers and put your offense pretty much on the short field and the position where all they need to do is drive the ball down the field, get a couple of first downs, even if you don't score, kick a, kick a field goal and get some points. Usually that's a recipe for success, right? But in the Broncos case, It's not because that just tells you uh, how bad this team is. And and once again, this is going to become the theme of the show. It's execution. Yeah, I know, you know, we can go back and forth on the play calling. But when a play is called, you have to execute as a player. Case in point. I think it was a third and one situation. The Broncos tried one of those little out routes to Cam Fleming side. And just like the Panthers game, guess what? Brian Burns did it a week ago. And then now it happened again and the ball is batted down. My philosophy is that if you are offensive tackle and you know they're coming your side with a quick pass, you have to engage that offense that defensive player right away. But more importantly, this was one of those plays where I would have liked to see Clint Kubiak get Russell outside the pocket to make that an easy throw and not put that pressure on Cam Flemings.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I mean they did some things, Nick, where the offense looked, you know, competent, right? I mean, Russell Wilson actually had, you know, one of his best games in terms of completion percentage. He was 17 of 22, 189 yards, 102.3 rating. So not, not um, bad, right? Like he, I mean, he was efficient, but it was because they weren't getting a whole lot of things down the field. They had a couple big plays, right? To Dulcich, to Judy. Uh, but other than that, they weren't able to capitalize on some of those big plays, you mentioned the two turnovers, Nick. Um, Justin Simmons obviously had both of them. Uh, the first one was a great play, read it right, uh, jumped, the, jumped the route, and was able to make a play. The second one uh, was probably the easiest interception of his career, maybe. Um, <laughs> then they run a trick play, throw it in the back of the end zone, and he's there to make the play. After the game, he talked a little bit about having the two turnovers but not winning the game and, and, and honestly just not being able to get the stop at the end of the game. So here's that audio. From Broncos.com Justin Simmons talking about it. Hey, we preach takeaways um you know a lot and uh you know obviously we were able to get to um you know there's that fumble there at the end that rolled out of bounds which is unfortunate um but I mean you know we talk about it all the time also like we got to be great like our best football has to be played in two-minute situations and so um special teams did a great job kind of pinning them I think it was on the 10 and then um You know, defense got to go down and execute. I think there was a few fourth downs, obviously. Um, You know, we just weren't able to execute there at the end. You know, we had the two penalties, and uh, it wasn't good enough to win the game. Nick, this defense, we we all know it's you know been arguably the best in the NFL this season statistically. uh, Has had some really great performances this year, but they have kind of shown a consistent issue with. Uh, getting stops at the end of games when they absolutely need to have them. We've seen that a couple times, obviously think back to the Raiders game a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, there's a few others in there that, I mean, the chargers, I guess that was a special teams miscue. Uh, but you, you've got, you've got a few in there, right? What, how, how, how much of that is an issue right now? And, and how disappointing is that to see, look, we all know it was more of the offense's fault that they lost that game, right? Any points wins that game, but also, I mean, how disappointing is it to see the defense give up that sort of a drive, especially to a backup quarterback? I mean, Tyler Huntley's a nice player, but it wasn't like Lamar Jackson was the one that marched down the field on that.
1: Yeah, that's difficult uh, to watch as uh, a defensive player and knowing as though you, you were a part of it. Because as much as uh, the local media and the national media want to separate and say offense and defense, you still play this game as a team. And to know that, uh, I guess I want to say consecutive weeks, that this defense has played well for the first 59 minutes, but it's just that last minute that somehow they falter and they allow the team to get in a scoring position or field goal position. So it, it is frustrating. And when you if you're a defensive player on the Broncos roster, you want to be a little upset with the fact that you're losing games, how you're losing the games, and the fact that the offense isn't pulling their fair share of the weight. But at the same time, you are, or you should be a little upset with yourself knowing the situation going in, that the offense will have their struggles and it's going to come down to you to be perfect. And that's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, when the game is on the line, everyone is looking to the defense or those players in those positions to make those plays. So, George, when they don't, now that kind of adds to the story. And Justin Simmons said it himself, hey, listen, we needed to be better defensively, and we talked about it earlier. When you get two turnovers and you win the turnover battle, you expect to win that particular game but it's coming down to being able to finish another word that coach Hackett used and uh, to express his disappointment with his team is finishing. And that's been kind of the bugaboo of this team all year. The inability to finish close out quarters and close out halves. Yeah. And, you know, you look at that drive,
0: Nick, by the Ravens, uh, a couple of huge penalties. Justin mentioned those. You got that one on Alex Singleton. I think unnecessary roughness was the call. Uh, I want to say the next play, or maybe two plays later, was the Sertan interference on uh, Mark Andrews down the field, uh, and I think I think they converted twice on fourth downs. Nick uh, yeah, on that drive, is. and so they had chances to get off the field uh, and weren't able to. So uh, disappointing from the defense, but again, you know those guys are going to get up there and say, "Hey, we should have got the stop. Uh, we got to play better in the two minute." And they're right; they're not they're not wrong. Uh, but I also feel like they should not be the ones uh, blamed for this loss because, again, the offense the offense didn't even get in the red zone, Nick. They mm-hmm. didn't even reach the red zone. Second time this season. You know how bad you have to be to not even get to the
1: red zone? Uh, yeah, That's- I do. I do. We watch it every Sunday. It's called the Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're not <laughs> wrong. You're not wrong. Well, Nick, we got to take a break, uh, and then we'll dive into a little bit more about this game, uh, some injuries later on. Uh, and we can also maybe even talk a little bit about prime time, maybe prime time can come help fix the Broncos.
1: Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya.
0: All right, everybody. We're back from that quick break. Uh, And, Nick, one thing we wanted to jump into uh, because it was sort of breaking news, I think, late last night after the game. uh, And it was kind of interesting news. I I, I wasn't totally surprised, though, uh, is Josh Johnson is signing with the 49ers uh, obviously the Broncos practice pod quarterback, a guy that a lot of people thought would be the backup this year, um, but Brett Ripon beat him out. But uh, just what are your thoughts on, on Josh going to the 49ers? Obviously the 49ers are in an interesting situation. Trey Lance out for the year. Jimmy G broke his foot yesterday. He's out for the year. It, is, it also sounds like, Nick, I don't know if you saw this morning, but uh, Baker Mayfield was released by the Panthers. sounds like maybe he might end up in San Francisco uh, if someone else doesn't claim him. So they've obviously got a interesting situation in in San Francisco right now. But what was your reaction to uh, Josh Johnson getting picked up?
1: Well, my first reaction was uh, great for Josh uh, going from a team that uh, doesn't have any uh, playoff aspirations to a team that is now looking like they could have Super Bowl aspirations. So once again, good for him. But it was also telling from this standpoint, look at the fact that the type of offense that the San Francisco 49ers deploy under – head coach Kyle Shanahan, it is something that's similar to that of Nathaniel Hackett, but it's just run at a very uh, high, high level. So this is why the 49ers said, hey, they're in desperation mode. Let's look around the league. Let's see what guys that we can bring in. But more importantly, first and foremost, you have to start looking to see what guys that fit your system or have been in a system similar. So that tells you right away that, hey, the, the systems aren't similar but one is functioning at a higher level than the other, but it still raises the question as to why, because that was one of the reasons Hackett was hired to bring in this uh, style of Mike Shanahan offense that was uh, operating under, you know, Matt LaFleur and you had Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. So you bring Hackett in, you bring in Russell Wilson, everything is peaches and cream, but it hasn't really been that way. So it points out the fact or, or highlights it even more how, you see two coaches running a similar offense, different versions, but simple. with Some of the same complementary routes and some of the same things, but one is doing it better than the other, and that's the kind of thing that jumped out to me in that situation.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting technique because I didn't I didn't think about that uh, when you look at it, obviously the Niners have one of the best offenses in the league, and you're right, right? Hackett's offense it falls under the same tree as Kyle Shanahan you know, Mike McDaniel in Miami, they have one of the most explosive offenses this year as well. And that's another one of those Shanahan type offenses. And you, you keep wondering like, how come the Broncos can't figure it out offensively when all these other teams can. So I guess the question is, is it, is it a co? I mean, we've been asking this all year, right? Nick, is it a coaching issue? Is is, is what Hackett's trying to do not getting through to these guys or is it just, you know, Hackett isn't implementing it the right way. I I mean, I don't know. Uh, Or is it, you know, guys aren't executing. We talked about that earlier. You know, players got to go make plays, right? Uh, does the personnel not fit? Like, like I, I don't know what to put my finger on exactly.
1: Well, it's a, it's a lot of those things because to know uh, this offense, you know, that this, this offense, there, there are like six or seven teams in the NFL, if not eight, that run a similar version of this offense. And this offense starts by being able to run the ball. If you cannot run the ball at a successful rate, then it's going to make passing really difficult. And just think about what this uh, offense was uh, under Bill Walsh. It was, you know, they call it the West Coast offense. It's about getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers and allowing them to make plays. Now, that is the biggest word I want to stick out is playmakers. So when you look at this Broncos team, what kind of playmakers do you have on the offensive side of the ball? And, hey, I'll go back to Seattle. Geno Smith is playing well with the Seattle Seahawks. Why is he playing well? Is he that much better of a quarterback than Russell Wilson? I'll say no, but you look at the weapons he has. If you were to say, okay, well, who on the Broncos roster is a Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, I'll wait for you to give me that answer because I know you won't be able to. So to run this style of offense, you need – playmakers and you have to have the ability to adjust that doesn't necessarily mean George you script your first 30 plays and then the defense starts to adjust and then you go well what are we going to do now what are we going going no no you can't do that and that's why we've seen other teams that that employ or better word deploy this type of offense they function at at a, at a higher clip because they know exactly hey what they're doing they have an identity They trust in that identity, but more importantly, they definitely have the personnel. And right now it's a combination of so many things that are hindering this Broncos team. And I don't know if it's going to look well, you know, with the remaining games. Now we all have to look forward to 2023 to see if things get better. Yeah. And,
0: you know, Nick, you mentioned
1: the playmakers, and I just don't think
0: they have those guys right now. And I know some of them are are banged up, right? I mean, KJ Hamler, you, one, you feel bad for the kid because he just can't stay healthy. But he was making some good plays. I mean, you—you I mean he made the big play against Jacksonville, uh, you know, that, that got them down there to score the game-winning touchdown. Uh, you know, you have, you know, Jerry Judy, who, you know, I actually thought played really well yesterday. He was very clearly limited in the snaps he was getting. He wasn't out there a whole lot. Uh, but when he was out there, he was making good plays. Was getting open down the field. Cortland Sutton gets hurt in the first half. Right, pulls a hamstring. Uh, which the hamstring injuries, Nick, is just ridiculous on this, this team this year. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if you can talk about that or explain that, but that's, that's an issue. But, like, again, the playmakers are a problem. You mentioned the run game. I think, again, the offensive line just isn't very good. So I, I don't want to keep making excuses for Hackett, but I do think there's a lot of things that have gone wrong this year that are a little bit out
1: of his control. Well, yeah, there's some things that are out of out of his control, and it makes it uh, difficult as a coach as you start to put your game plan together. But you have to ask yourself not what you can't do, but what can you do, right? And you have to craft your scheme and your game plan to execute with that in mind. Sometimes, you know, guys get injured, and you talked about calling sudden injury. You can't really do anything about about that, and we'll get into the whole hamstring injury in a moment. But you have to look at your roster and say, well, what do do you have, right? You let Melvin Gordon go. So Mike Boone comes back. You still have Marlon Mack. You still have Latavius Murray. So it's like, okay, well, we have guys who can run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. So knowing as though you are short of impact players from a wide receiver standpoint, well, Mike Boone can catch the ball out of the backfield, and so can Marlon Mack. Use those guys as extra wide receivers so now – you force the defense into a bond. Are they going to stay in base coverage or are they going to get in nickel coverage where you could kind of take advantage of it? So that's kind of the strategy, the way that I look at things. Okay. You can't talk about, Oh, we don't have this and crowd with spill milk. No, you got to take that bill Belichick approach. Hey, let's figure out what a player can do and find a way to accentuate that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking back on it too, Nick yesterday, it- you mentioned the scripted plays earlier, right? Uh, and yeah. having, you know, you, you can't just rely on that. It was very clear their first drive, uh, I would say, was probably their best drive, right? Um, yeah. and, and it was very clearly scripted, and they were able to run the ball. And, and they were doing things, Nick. You, you mentioned it earlier in the first segment. They were under center, three tight ends, two tight ends, you know, one guy out wide. They're running the ball, They're play action, you know, all that stuff. Did it seem like they went away from that, though? Like, all of a sudden, they, they've got – you know, three wide receiver sets. Uh, you know, they've got them in bunches. They're still trying to run the ball; it's not working as well. You know, it, they're going shotgun late in the game. Like, it, to me, it felt it felt again like it was. Uh, you know, they, they went away from stuff. Even I mean, the one the the best example, Nick, I believe it was third and one. And it was that drive I mentioned earlier where they did, it ends up being fourth and short, and they decide to kick a field goal. Weren't they in shotgun? It was like third and one. They ran a shotgun. Uh, and they handed it off to Murray, and he gets yeah. stuffed. They get no yards, and you're just shaking your head like, like what are you doing? You were running the ball efficiently under center, even just QB sneak it. I mean, it, it, did it feel like they went away from some of the stuff that was working earlier in the game?
1: Yeah, it, it does because it seems like anytime there's a successful play, you're thinking, okay, well, at some point you're going to see it uh, again, maybe at a different uh, personnel grouping or a different side of the field but it's like, no, we ran the play. They figured it out. We had a uh, positive yards. So let's, let's do something else. And some of those offensive linemen, man, and, and I like a lot of those offensive linemen for the Denver Broncos, but man, they were physically manhandled at, at times, not, not the entire game. And that kind of leads into the storyline of how the season has developed thus far. It's like one player at the least opportune moment finds a, a moment to have a mental breakdown, a breakdown in execution. So, this is an ongoing problem. And that's why I say it's just not just one person. It's not just Hackett. It's not just Russell because it's a combination of different guys offensively, but I expected to see a little more creativity. And I continue to say that because I know that there are some smart guys who work for the Broncos and and, and maybe those guys are smarter than me. They get a chance to watch that film, you know, mm-hmm. more times than I do. But, but as a defensive player, I look at our offense and say, well, why can't they do these types of things? And I know you don't have those players, but you do have these players. Let's do this and let's do that. And you brought up something that's very interesting. They were running a lot of uh, those tight bunch formations, which are great if you're you're looking to set it up and bridge off another play. But in this case, with uh, limited impact players, why don't you spread out the defense, create some uh, easy running lanes, for for the running back because it makes it easier in my opinion on the offensive line but hey you know what I'm sitting here doing the podcast with you what do I know
0: That's a good point Nick we don't know anything uh we're just <laughs> we're just podcasters right uh no uh no you know I think I think I think it's a it's a valid point I did want to ask you Nick would you switch play calling back to Nathaniel Hackett and the only reason I ask that is in the few games that we've seen Clint Kubiak call plays and again I think you know part of it's probably Clint's running whatever Hackett's uh, you know game plan is, and you know is 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 doing what he's been told to do. I'm sure, uh, and it's still Hackett's uh, you know uh, uh, plays right, like it's it's yeah. his plays right. Like Clinton didn't change the plays overnight. Um, but would you would you consider moving? the play calling back to Hackett. I mean, it's almost like comparing rotten apples to rotten oranges, right? But, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't don't know. Is that something you would consider?
1: No, I I wouldn't because, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's no level of certainty, George, that Clint Kubiak is actually running the offense he wants to run. Because I, I continue to go back to this. I mean, Clint Kubiak, I mean, in 2021, his first time being an O.C., uh, of an uh, NFL franchise and Kirk, Huzzins, Kirk Cousins has monster numbers as a quarterback and Dalvin Cook has monster numbers. I know that that's, that's easy to say for a guy like Dalvin Cook, but still a first-time offensive coordinator still keeping those guys in some kind of a rhythm or some kind of a flow. I would like to think that if he had time to really put his stamp on this offense, it would look similar, but he doesn't because a lot of the concepts are not really his and yes he's the offensive coordinator but he still has to run everything by Nathaniel Hackett which I think is problematic for him so we still don't know what this offense would look like if Clint Kubiak had the opportunity to put his blueprint on I mean his fingerprint rather I'm talking about blueprint his fingerprint on his offense
0: yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think you can't sit there and be like, oh well, it's it's Kubiak's fault, right? Like, I I mean, yeah. I think he's again, and and they all have a hand in the cookie jar, right? Like, they're all coming up with the game plan. They're all you know talking on the on the headset, saying, oh, I, you know, this this would work, or we think that would work, whatever, right? Uh, and and I think also, you know, th- th- look, we're gonna these guys are probably gonna get fired, right? Uh, there's a good chance of that happening. I think we've all accepted that reality. That doesn't mean they're just bad football coaches. I hope people realize that. Like Nathaniel Hackett's been in this league a long time. Uh, a lot of these coaches that maybe get let go have been around a long time. Obviously, Clint has been around football a long time. I don't think he's a bad play caller. In fact, I think he'll get another shot pretty quickly after this season, uh, despite, despite this mess. But I think my idea, I, I guess I'm trying to think like Nathaniel Hackett, Nick. And, I, and in my head, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, I say, well, I've got maybe five games left as a head coach. Might as well go down with the ship. Uh, call the plays and just start winging it deep. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. What? I don't have an answer. I just start. I just start calling just like trick plays and why and, uh, we've running all that. sorts. Of, because this whatever this is isn't working, Nick. I mean, why not? Why not? So, so. Why not try and do some different? Do some different stuff.
1: Wait a minute. Wait Wait, wait, wait. See, What you suggested is different. It's going back to the same thing. And just because you you, you it started out. You start out with it, you transfer it to someone else, and you go back to to the same thing. It's not like, oh, it's different. It's not, right? Even if you make it up in your mind that it is. No, you're going back to the same thing that But I'm saying make it right different. Before. I'm
0: saying go back to it and make it a little bit different.
1: How? I mean, that's what we've been waiting for the whole time. I don't we're know. Just making, <laughs> I don't make, know. Make, you're saying make it different. How? Are we, every week we hear, we, we got to be be better. We have to do something different. But that's never happened. But now with, what, five games remaining in the season, now you're going to go back to the same play caller and hope that it's going to be different? Nah. What do, you
0: ha- what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? If you're Nathaniel it you have nothing to lose except for your job, which you've probably already lost. so
1: You I- can make it worse. You can make it worse. You were already calling
0: play I don't Joseph. know if it can get much worse, Nick. <laughs>
1: Nick, I don't think it can get much worse. see, you if see. they have – They have drilled through rock bottom. See, you you thought it couldn't get worse. But as the weeks progress, the Broncos have gotten worse offensively because they're not scoring as many points. The point total is decreasing. It's not increasing. So you don't go back to the same thing that you were doing before that put you in this situation. You might as well say this. Hey, let's give everything over to Clint Kubiak. These last five games, you implement what you want to implement Concept similar to that in minnesota and oh by the way you work with russell all day every day you sit down and you talk to him and you craft things i'm going to stay out of it i'm going to tell justin outman stay out of it right now for the last five games it's all on you and also if he does that it gives him another escape uh escape hatch because he can say well if the offense starts to dwindle even more and you say it can't get worse guess what i gave all the play calling to Clint kubiak so not my fault
0: yeah well i think nathaniel hackett's running out of escape hatches nick uh with only a few games left so we'll see but we got to take a break and then nick i want to dive into some of the injury stuff that we were talking about earlier.
1: let's ride with touchdown denver touchdown denver hosted by nick ferguson and george Stoyer.
0: All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and while I came up with a great solution to how to fix the Broncos, Nick could not come up with one. Um, <laughs> just just keep doing it. Just keep letting everybody do whatever, you know, it's whatever. No, give it back to Hackett. Let him, let him finish out on, on a high note is my opinion. But uh, it, it doesn't matter, Nick. But one thing that they could use, Nick, is to just be healthy. Uh, and there's a lot of guys on the injured reserve, I think, Uh, League-high 15 players on the injured reserve. I want to say it's somewhere around 9 or 10 hamstring. Um, Not all those guys, obviously, on the injured reserve are are hamstring. I'm I'm saying this season I think there's been 9 or 10 hamstring injuries alone on this football team. Now, hamstring injuries are a common injury, right? I mean, that, that happens in football often. But why do you think this has been an issue for the Broncos this year, Dick? Is there something you can point to and say, that's why? I know a lot of people want to point back and be like, well, it's because they didn't go hard enough in training camp and preseason. And I, I don't buy that for one second. Uh, but what, what can you put your, your finger on what, why they've
1: had so many hamstring injuries? No, because there's so many uh, different uh, things that can contribute to it. I know the low-hanging fruit that – Uh, Some of of our uh, local friendlies here have said they blame it on Lauren Landau, the strength and conditioning coach, because that seems to be the obvious person to point the finger at. But when it comes to hamstring injuries, here are a couple of things that factor in. You have to factor in, are the guys warming up properly before uh, before games or before practice, right? Uh, Watching Landau and watching practice, they do a good job of warming those guys up. But some of those guys, I mean, goes far beyond doing the things at practice. It, I mean, when you're at home, you have to stretch. We live here in Denver where it uh, can be really dry. You're dealing with altitude. So you have to keep your muscles saturated. So that means you have to drink water. So you have to stretch. You have to drink water. Stay hydrated. Also, what's your diet like, right? And I know uh, those guys have a better kind of training table than we had when I played. So it's about – Making sure that you're eating properly, not just at the facility, when you leave the facility as well, and also, are you doing the right recovery things after and before practice? That means hot tub, cold tub, all of those things to get you back, you know, uh, running at a peak level. And I know that this this game takes a lot out of you, far as uh, you know, uh, dehydrating your body. So a lot of guys don't replenish the way that that they should. And I played with Champ Bailey, right. Faster guy than I was, but he was always pulling his hamstring. And I say, well, that was kind of a consequence of being so fast. But these soft tissue injuries, especially when you get into the latter stages of the season, George, where the the weather constantly change. And we live in Denver, so you know it's warm one day, it's cold another. Are you doing the right things to make sure that your lower extremities are taken care of? So I look at it from that standpoint. And here's another thing and I know I'm getting a little long-winded on this, but are you the type of player, when you're in practice, are you straining in practice? And what I mean by that, are you really pushing your body to the max? Because you can't just kind of slide and glide through practice and then get in the game and try to cut it loose. Your your body's going to say, oh, wait a minute, man. We're not used to this. So that's why when I play, I constantly ran full speed to every single drill and I chased every single guy because once I got in the game, I didn't want it to be a shock to my body.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to any of that, Nick. Um, I, <laughs> I've never I've never pulled a hamstring. I'm not much of a runner um, as you probably know, but it is it is unfortunate uh, and, and Cortland Suttons the, the latest casualty to it. We don't know how long he'll be out. Um, but what's your concern level for as soon as they get Jerry Judy back, they lose Cortland Sutton um for that wide receiver room right now, especially I mean, they're playing a bunch of young guys. You've got Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson. Uh Kendall Hinton stepped up and you know played well. Uh but what's maybe your concern? I mean when you talked about playmakers earlier, Nick, and they only had two receivers catch passes yesterday. Jerry Judy had four receptions, Kendall Hinton had one. Those are the only two players that caught uh uh passes that were receivers other than I mean Greg Dulcich doesn't really count so because he's a tight end. But <laughs> what's your concern? Yeah. He doesn't count as, as a receiver, technically, wide receiver. Like, they're receiving core. But obviously, he's a big part of the offense. I'm just saying, like, you would, you would hope that more guys would get touches, right? Uh, and now you lose Cortland Sutton uh, for who knows how long.
1: But, what, but, but I'm thinking maybe the Broncos have that same mentality that you share. I mean, Greg Dose is not a wide receiver, so he's not getting that as many touches. The idea is that you don't have that many weapons at your disposal. So you need to get everyone involved. And that's, and that's crazy to think that when you look at the numbers here and you look at all the guys that uh, played yesterday, Hinton, one, 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 one target, Boone one target, met one target, sudden one target, Washington, one target. So you had Judy Murray and dosage having more than three targets in yesterday's game. That is not enough. I mean, Kendall Hinton has proven to be a quality wide receiver in this league. Get him more touches. Eric Salbert, get him more touches. Jalen Virgil, right? The only touchdown scored against the Tennessee Titans. Guess what? After that, he has disappeared. He has not been involved with the offense. So we can sit and talk about the injuries that the Broncos have and having a a lack of guys to kind of put out there for Russell Wilson. You still have guys. You just have to figure out a way to get them involved and get them more touches and more targets. That's the thing that's not happening. And this whole concept is, Oh, well, you know what? Don't, we don't have the personnel. No one really cares. And no one really cares if you have guys who are injured because a lot of teams have injuries, maybe not as many guys on IR, but what do you do about the situation? And here's my question for you. Known as though there's only five games remaining in, the season and the Broncos obviously are not going anywhere, right? If you are a player that's on uh injured reserve and you had an opportunity to come back, are you fighting to come back? Or you're saying, you know what? Yeah. That hamstring is bothering me a little more. What, where do you stand on that?
0: Well, it's I think it's different for each guy. Um, And what I mean by that, like Randy Gregory, for example, I think you could look at it different ways, right? Like if, if, if they were playing for a playoff spot right now, I think he would maybe possibly be out there uh, or at least, you know, getting closer to being back at least practicing. Right. Um, but when you have a, a knee injury, like he does, and he's had history right with, with, with these type of injuries, I don't think you want to rush him back. Right. Uh, especially since you're, you're, you're invested in him long-term. But at the same time, if you're Randy, maybe you're thinking in your head, well, I don't want to have the mental hurdle to have to go through at the beginning of next year playing. So why don't I play now, you know, the last couple games uh, and get over that mental hurdle, get, you know, back in some game shape and go into having a great offseason. You could look at it that way, right? I think Cortland Sutton's the same way. Hamstring, like I would assume he's out probably the next couple weeks at least. And then you're saying, okay, what are you really playing for? Do you want to go in healthy uh, to the offseason, or do you want to try and, and push it a little bit? I don't know, Nick. It's it's a tough battle. Me, personally, I'd probably just want to go play, because uh, I, I love to play. But also, these guys have a lot of money on the line, too, right? Uh, you know, I, I guess Cortland and Randy might be bad examples, because they're locked up long-term. Um, but you know, if you're a guy that maybe you're not locked up long-term, like let's say a K.J. Hamler, which... I think he's probably done for the year, but let's say he could come back for the last couple games. I think he might try and come back because he's got to make some plays to show, Hey, I deserve an extension in the next year or so. Right. Cause his contract's coming up. So I think it's different for each guy. Uh, I don't know how we, how would you have approached it, Nick, if, if you were a player and I know it's different for different guys, right? Again, Randy Gregory, he's got a five-year contract. Does he really need to come back or does he say, you know what? I just need to get healthy so I can play next year.
1: Well, it all depends on the severity of uh, the injury, right? And and where the injury is on your body. If it's something dealing with your lower extremity, obviously you really have to uh, think about that because uh, those are really tricky. We were just talking about hamstrings and the case with Randy Greger, we're talking about a knee. And those are the type of things that would kind of not only put you down for the last five games, but just kind of uh, totally in your career. So you have to re- re- be really smart about that. Now, if you're a guy that's on expiring deal and you need to showcase your ability uh, to this team or to the next coach. If the Broncos go in that direction, you want to get out there and you want to show what you can do because you want to make sure at the end of the season, you put some good film together as they start to think about how they're going to build this team uh, in 2023. But, you know, if you are a veteran guy and you feel that that you've made a substantial amount of money and you are, uh, let's just say you have a player that's, kind of contemplating retirement, then maybe you don't do it for me. You know, being just my makeup, I'll do it anyway. Hell, I, I had a, a knee injury and I told them when they said, well, you know what, Nick, your season is over. And I said, well, wh- what other things that we can do to get me back on the field? Well, we can take your meniscus out. Right. And you'll be back in two weeks. Go ahead. Take it out. I don't need it. And then I was told, yeah, uh, stupido." stupido you will need it because if they take that out of your knee as you start to age, then you're going to have to have knee replacement surgery. And I was like, "Ooh, I don't want any part of that. So I'll, I'll sit out. So it all depends uh, at, at on what stage of your career you're at, what your money and your financial situation looks like. And that would determine the decision of a lot of players where to try to make a comeback or to just kind of sit and sit on IR.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough call, right? I mean, you, you again, guys are playing for money. Uh, some of these guys that we're talking about are, are locked up long term, so you got to start thinking about your future and, and do you really want to push something uh, for a team that is honestly just not playing for a whole lot right now? Um, you know, I, I'm sure – I also don't I, – hack it. I mean, the way that they've handled injuries, like he doesn't seem like somebody that's going to push any of these guys to play – uh, if if they can't or if they're not 100%. I mean, you even saw Jerry yesterday. I think he was a little frustrated. I think he wishes he was out there a little bit more. But he even said after the game, he goes, I knew I wasn't 100%. The coaching staff said, don't push it. Go as much as you can. Uh, they had him on a snap count. And he, he was effective when he was in there. And I think it was tough because I know there was a lot of people out there like, well, why isn't Jerry in the game on third down? It's like, well, because there's only certain things. He even said after the game, but there's only certain things he can do with the way his ankle is operating right now. So, I think they're taking the right approach by that. You're not gonna see the coaching staff, even though they know that they might be fired. They're not gonna be like, Cortland, we gotta get you out there because we need to win because my job's on the line. That's not happening, which I think is is a good thing, right, Nick? I mean, you don't want that to happen. So uh I, I think it's gonna be interesting. What what you laugh? You laughed at me. You think I think you think I'm naive? You think I, I I I'm wrong in that?
1: No, I'm not saying that you're naive, but he here's how the NFL works in the business of football. See, the way that they try to encourage a player to get out there and play, they don't really bark at him or, or just kind of scream at him. They just kind of test your manhood. Oh, I thought you were tough. They told me that you were tough, right? I guess they were wrong. So someone will walk past you in the training room or in the locker room or while you're sitting down eating your food and or even when you're standing on the sideline watching practice right? It's been in my my experience that that's happened. Someone would walk by and go, yeah, man, shoot. They said you were tough, but I guess they were wrong. And then the first thing you say is, gosh darn it, now my, my, my toughness is being questioned. My manhood is being challenged. So guess what happens, George? You foolishly go, you know what? Let me put on my cliques and go back out there, right? It happens. It happens on teams that are winning and it happens on teams that are losing. So when you said that, I, I immediately I immediately went back to a situation where I was, you know, at practice and someone just walked past me and just whispered in my ears, "Hey man, they told me those guys from Georgia Tech were tough, but I guess uh they don't make them like they used to." And I'm like, "Man, what am I supposed to do with that now?" I guess I got to get back out there, and that's exactly what I did.
0: Huh. Well, again, you know, I've never been in that situation. I've had people walk by me and go, "Man, I thought People said you were – I thought people said you were really cool, George. I thought they said, I thought they said guys from Oklahoma were really cool. I guess, I guess that's not true. Uh, yeah. that's, what they say, that's what they say to me, Nick. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Look, they've got – I mean, again, they got a lot of guys on the IR. Uh, but uh, if they don't come back, a lot of opportunity for some other guys, right? I mean, you've got, again, that young receiving core, you'd love to see Jalen Virgil get more involved. Uh, Montre Washington – Man, I think that kid, Nick, and we can dive into this later this week because we got to wrap this thing up soon. But I do think that kid is—it's all in his head right now uh, because we've seen him. You know, he was a special player in college. We've seen flashes of it in Denver, especially in the return game where he can do some different things. Uh, and I just think it's—it's it's not clicking for him right now, and, and it might even be a little bit of a confidence thing. So there's some guys again, like I said, some young guys that can really make a role. Brandon Johnson. Um, is another one, right, that, that could really carve out a role for himself moving forward if, if, if he can come out and play some good football here. So uh, going to be interesting to see. I will say it was good to see Jerry Judy out there, right? Um, I, I, what did you think of his performance? And we'll wrap it up after that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. And, uh, I mean, he said it best. We didn't see a lot of uh, Jerry Judy the way we wanted to. And that only added to the negative uh, criticism of Jerry Judy of what he is not and how much of a bust he, he is. But, yeah, he was really limited. He was on the pitch count because of that that ankle injury but once again when you start to take guys out of the mix it makes things that much difficult but at the same time you mentioned a couple of guys who we should see more of we should have seen more of but we haven't but uh, we'll leave that for a later conversation because that's a bigger topic that we could dig in to uh, later in the week
0: yeah definitely we got a lot to talk about this week I know that it seems like we're we're talking about some of the same stuff, Nick, but I think we can, we can break down some, some more stuff this week too. And and it's chiefs week, Nick, Uh, 13 in a row, this group has lost to, to the chiefs. So maybe they can, I mean, I think they're like nine point underdogs. So I I doubt they'll pull off the upset, but maybe we can dive into how they can pull off one of the big subsets in recent franchise history. So uh, thanks everybody for listening this week. Uh, Make sure you guys like, and subscribe to the podcast. We will see you guys Uh, Again, later this week to talk about the Chiefs game uh, and also just this Broncos team and where they go to now sitting at 3-9.